Welcome to the Kumbaya Podcast, the whole woman's resource. I am Dr. Amanda Shipley, a pelvic physical therapist who is passionate about prevention and supporting women along their holistic health journey. Guys, I am so excited to share this conversation with you. I sat down with Anthony Galloway, co-founder of the school Heartwood Agile Learning Center, or ALC for short. You see, his school isn't your traditional school. It is a part of the growing movement called self-directed education, and it is a multi-age interdisciplinary consent-based program. Anthony shares with us all about self-directed education and how the ALC model is different from some of the other models. Personally, I have only begun learning about this movement within the past few years, and I am so inspired for the possibilities it brings to our children. Anthony challenges us to question if the way that we've been educated is the only way or even the best way to do it. And he inspires us by showing that there are in fact other ways to school our children and ourselves that focus on informed consent and following our passions. Hartwood ALC is in Clarkston, Georgia, just five miles east of Decatur, but Anthony gives us tons of references to programs all over the country. Visit me at kumbayalpodcast.com if you want to check out the show notes for this episode. We will have links to Hartwood ALC's website, as well as Anthony's blog and the resources that he refers to during our conversation. Enjoy. Well, thank you, Anthony, for coming in and joining me today. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. No problem. Thanks for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. I'd like to start with you telling us a little bit about your story and what led you to your work with Heartwood Agile Learning Center. Okay. Um, as I tell this story, the more I tell it, the better I get at it. Um, so it started out when I was in college, my junior year, just got the small idea, kind of playful to start a school because I was just imagining, oh, what if we start a school? I'm joking with another educator friend of mine at the time. And then... From that period, I started to become aware of research, take note of interesting schools that were doing really interesting things. Um, the first one I was uh, say was Alpha Alternative School. It's in Canada. Okay. Um, and I believe they're a democratic school. Then, you know, I just found out about the school that as a rule, they don't assign homework. They don't give their students homework. Right. Um, so from there... I end up going to uh, IU to get a PhD in school psychology, and I was going to use that credential and that training to sort of set myself up to start a school. Mm. And at the time, I still wasn't quite sure, was still discovering things. And there was a magic moment where I realized this is not the answer. This is not the route to go. This isn't really going to help me start the type of school that I want to start. It's not necessary. Right. And I would be spending so many years and so much effort in a field and in training and things that I wasn't going to use that I didn't really want. So I realized that that wasn't it. So I withdrew um, after seven months. Um, That's incredible, honestly, that you had that awareness and you it came into it only seven months in. Like how many times <laughs> do we make decisions and then like years down the road saying, Oh, yeah. Wow. I just wasted a whole heck of a lot of time, you know? Like, yeah. Ah. Yeah. I'm so glad I realized it then. And, and 
sort of made that decision too and, and stuck with that and honored it. Mm-hmm. So... Were your parents, I mean, you had to have some resistance to that, right? Um, you tell your parents, you're like, I'm going to be a PhD. And then you're like, nah, not so much. Or, or anyone. Was there any naysayers in your there life? There was, until the point of starting Heartwood, there had always been some type of doubt or concern coming from every corner. Yeah. Um, because it was what I was describing, nobody had seen before, at least the people I was talking to, right. none of them had really seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was such a new radical kind of idea. Uh, so while in the process of being at IU and also having withdrawn, I had been researching and found out about Democratic Free School, Summerhill, uh, Albany Free School specifically, Sudbury Schools. Mm-hmm. There was a sort of progressive school that was right there in Bloomington called Harmony. Um, then that led me to Albany Free School, where I was going to do a year-long sort of internship mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't stay that long. Uh, left from there and wound up this was all over the course of a year almost or a year and a half yeah wound up back in atlanta uh and started at uh montessori preschool shortly thereafter for like the next school year ended up at sudbury school mm-hmm. and then a year later started hartwood nice um, so yeah it was a, a lot of rapid movement things were changing really quickly um as i discovered more about what type of educator I wanted to be, mm-hmm. the type of school that I wanted to run. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. So for people who haven't heard of self-directed education, and I heard you say democratic free school, mm-hmm. you know, those things, what is it and why is it important? So there are probably a lot of different definitions for self-directed education or SDE. I like to say that It's essentially consent-based education Mm -hmm. because young people or people, I shouldn't even say young people, but people, humans in general can be self-directing their education no matter what space they're in as long as there's informed consent. That's my opinion on the matter. Mm -hmm. So it is them knowing what is this educational experience entail and really opting in and saying, I want to go with this. Um, and it's probably in certain circles or certain people would say even more detail with that is that it's students pursuing interests as their interests pop up mm-hmm. and pursuing it to whatever length or depth that they desire. Mm-hmm. And not being coerced or made to do anything that they truly don't want to do. So that's huge. That's like, I mean, to me, mind blowing because I think in in my parenting, I've been trying to get consent from my daughter and and not force her to brush her teeth. And, you know, but there are some things I don't want to do. And so instantly what comes to mind is someone saying, oh, but I didn't want to learn algebra. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to learn X, Y, Z. I just had to do it. We have to make them. Like, do you get that as a um, something that's against, you know, self-directed? Like, oh, it won't work because... Surely, truly. This I is mean, just how it is. I even struggle with that thought myself. Uh, it is 
this thought that because we experience education, learning, development this specific way, and it's the in in our minds, oh, that would have never happened if that wasn't done for me. I think people, adults, tend to not be able to imagine it could happen another way. Right. Um, and then there are certain subjects that maybe you're exposed to and you really appreciate that and you've incorporated it into your daily living or you just appreciate that information there are some things that maybe if you're self-directing you would not be exposed to that Mm -hmm. um and that's fair it's just different i don't necessarily say better or one thing is better or worse than the other Mm -hmm. so there's there's some value to the argument yet and still self-directed education is also valuable. It's also another way to do it. It is just as important in the realm of education possibilities and options. So, yeah, I mean, people, like I said, people always have that concern. That's one of the first things people say is, well, what about this? What if they never learn this? What some facilitators, that's what we call ourselves at Hartwood and other AOCs, what we sometimes do is ask, well, so what for concerns like that? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the issue with that? What's re- usually getting down to what's the fear mm-hmm. to see exactly what is triggering or sparking that concern for a person. And you end up realizing that it's about something much deeper or greater than, you know, algebra. Right. Um, so, yeah, it really is like a, a it can be a huge paradigm shift for people. Um, to really rethink how this can be done mm-hmm. because then you kind of also <laughs> kind of makes you wonder, well, man, maybe my process could have been different. Maybe it could have been more enjoyable and there's like a little bit of regret there mm-hmm. and sort of frustration. So then you get into, you know, effort justification. It's like, oh, no, this has to be the perfect way. This has to be the only way to do it mm-hmm. because I need to justify like the stressful process that I went through. Right. Totally. So. And and so the second part of that question, like, why is it important? What, yeah, what do you see with that? I think having self-directed education as an option is important because there are so many different people. Um, there's so, everybody has their different way of learning, their different gifts, their different weaknesses, just all these different proclivities. And we need a lot of different options so that everybody can find the space and and way of learning and schooling that fits for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not just the learner, but also families because parents and siblings are, are a part of that process. Mm-hmm. So there are certain family dynamics where like traditional schools don't work. Um, there might be health concerns in the family where a student is having to miss a lot of school or, um, a traveling family that, you know, they value their time together. So then it's more important for them to be together and learn together than to have their child, you know, away from them for so many hours throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So it's important to have the options. And I think it's important um, for young people to start practicing dealing with that question of what do I want to do with myself? Mm-hmm. What makes me happy? How do I satisfy that? How do I get the things I need out of life? Because just imagine growing up in your entire life, it's kind of been coercive where you're being made or told what to do, when to do it. 
and people complain about people often tell the story of like oh you get to college and then you kind of wowed out because no one's making you go to class i mean that's true not true because you are paying for it so it's just kind of silly for you not to go but um i digress imagine i would say it's better for a young person to be dealing with the existential question of what do i want to do with myself now than to okay i'm six months away from graduating from college now, what do I want to do with my life? Like, I've been doing the school thing for so long, and that's, like, a very certain way of living. Even if you go on to get a PhD, like, that's a very specific way of living. Most of your life won't be that way. So now, how do I operate in the world? What do I want to, what do, I want to do with my time? Imagine if you've been answering that question and practicing that since, you know, since five years old versus yeah. just being dealt with it at 21, and mm-hmm. you also have to worry about, well, how do I feed myself? Yes. How do I pay this bill? You know, it's <laughs> it's hard to answer and hard to really deal with when you have like those basic life necessities on the line. So I think it's I think SD is important for that reason, for sure, to just get that practice in and to understand that your life is yours. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it doesn't necessarily just happen to 18 or just happen to 21. Like your life is yours from from birth and you just practicing some autonomy because everybody wants that. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe that's why it speaks to me so much. You know, my daughter's not even three yet. So, I mean, I'm not at that point yet, but I feel like so many of my friends and the people that I um, hang around with, we all are into attachment parenting and listening to your child and honoring your child as their own being from the start, mm-hmm. you know, literally before they're even verbally communicative. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many things about the model that I'm impressed with and excited about. So um, let's go into what are some misconceptions that you've encountered about self-directed education? I'm sure you've probably heard a bunch. <laughs> yeah. So there. What people often imagine on there's the people who have doubts about their own child being able to do it and say, oh, my kid's not self-directed. They could never do that. And I think they imagine like kids in SDE spaces already having it down, but Mm. really they're in practice doing it. And then people also imagine like they kind of imagine their kid in a bubble. Yeah. And so like oh my kid my kid just doesn't have the capacity to do that they can't do that because this is how they act now but that's because they don't they're not in the SDE space and they're made to do stuff so right. of course they're going to you know not practice SDE in some like idealistic way of course that they're they're going to spend as much time as possible on like a video game that you don't think is a valuable worth of time uh or of course they're not going to do their homework like they're in this space and they operate in this way like that's the world they live in where they're made to do things at certain time Mm -hmm. they don't have to self-direct um so i think people misunderstand and and assume that there's only sd is only for certain kinds of people certain kinds of kids or families there's also the misconception that people imagine like Oh man, my kid's going to be in SD space and they're going to be project managing their whole time and they're going to be doing this kind of project and this kind of project and this thing and this thing is going to just be full of fruit um, that is just based on their interest. And that's not necessarily the case. Uh, you might have some young people who are like that, or it might happen in spurts in little segments of time. Mm-hmm. And then other times it could look like, 
so at Hartwell, we don't really separate the idea of learning, work, and play. Like we acknowledge those are all the same thing. Mm-hmm. But to other people, you know, it could look like, oh, my kid's not doing anything, but running around and playing tag with their friends. Or they're not doing anything but building Legos. Oh, they're only ever watching YouTube videos or my kid only cooks all day. Or there's just this, uh, there people, people complain about that and, but then also can't imagine that happening. Yeah. They think it's going to be like, well, this block of time they worked on building a 3D model of the solar system. And <laughs> yeah. this block of time they built a robot. And then they've been working on a lamp. And then they've been working on this, that, and they study this. And that's not like, nobody does that. No. <laughs> nobody wants to do that. Nobody's time is spent that way. I mean, PhD students like really don't do that. Yeah. And it stresses them out when they do. Yeah. Um, so definitely young people, kids aren't doing it. Um, so I would say there's a misunderstanding about, you know, who's able to do SDE and then also about like what SDE schedules look like. Mm -hmm. Uh, people kind of assume that it's going to be full of all these different projects all the time Mm -hmm. and they don't see, they don't see or valued like the socialization and just like the free play that happens in the, in the in those spaces. And I think, and at least this is how I feel in parenting my daughter and trying to be conscious when I parent her that, you know, I immediately want to say no so much of the time. And and I say, and I try to think about why am I saying no? Okay, really? Is she going to do any harm? No. Okay. Is this going against any, you know, integrity or, or kind of core belief I have? No. Okay. I'm going to let her draw on that right now and run around here and be a little more playful. And so I feel like letting go of that control and continually challenging myself to do that. I can feel like people who have their children in SDE situations, it's kind of the same thing. Like, okay, you don't have control, but I mean, mm. you're not going to have control when they're 21 or when they're on their own. And so mm-hmm. the the sooner that you put the responsibility on them and not like here, kid friend for yourself, you know, yeah. but yeah, but just letting them, like you said, kind of like flex their muscles of figuring out who they are and what they want continually. Yep. And as a five-year-old, play is really what it should be. What is the country? Yeah. Is it Finland or Norway? Some other country, like kids don't even start school really until they're seven. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, we have all these expectations that kids are reading by the time they're in pre-K or kindergarten, where this whole other country is not behind us. You know, maybe they, they start reading when they're seven or eight or nine. Um, we just have these expectations, I think, and these need to control our children that is not not serving us in the, the future. But that's another that's actually another misconception in it. It is about like people I, this is a it's a trigger thing for me. People <laughs> say, Oh, the kids in SD spaces, so they can just do whatever they want or they have the freedom to do whatever they want. And I'm like, No. <laughs> Because that's not real life. Right. Um, there are other people in the world you have to consider in your community and in your interactions. So, like, no, they can't just do whatever they want. Um, and then at my school specifically, at Hartwood, like, there are certain meetings or groupings or things that they do have to come to mm-hmm. and participate in. Um, and that's much like life, you know. Uh, there are certain things you have to do. And then also you can't do whatever you want. There's this book that I love recommending called Freedom Not Licensed by A.S. Neal, who's mm-hmm. one of the uh, founders and directors at uh, Summer Hill. 
And it's just a great book about um, how you have the freedoms to do what you want, but not the license to interrupt someone else's freedom mm. to do what they want. Right. Um, there's another saying like you can swing your arms as much as you want, but only to like the tip of someone else's nose. Um, and funny, the stories that people, the letters that people wrote in into that book and then other situations that people come up with are mixing up like self-directed education and unschooling and then there's like parenting and while those two things definitely overlap and cross over they are different things in a sense Mm. and so some people think that automatically think that sde and unschooling means that you can't like put boundaries and discipline or whatever for your young person and it's more like a well, no, that's not the case because again, life does like have boundaries and their limits, and just as being the responsible adult in the relationship or in the dynamic, and this is what we have to acknowledge at school is like we do have a bit more power because of our uh, much more responsibility and our ability. Um, so it's not just the the kids do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, one more misconception is people also imagine the the young person again in this bubble in this situation of so how will the kid learn to do math or how they learn to read or what happens when they would go to a store if i never sit them down and make them learn how to use money what happens with that and it's not about them just doing things on their own with no like in sde it's imagined that there are plenty of adults who are capable and also willing to help when the young person needs it or when it's a safety health and safety issue. So of course, like your kid is there at the cash register. Like they don't know how to deal with money yet. Well, you're right there beside them. And like, ideally you're helping them and teaching them in the process. Mm -hmm. So not just doing it for them, Mm -hmm. but sort of bridging the gap between their ability and what the next step in life requires of them. Uh, so, yeah, sometimes people mention it and they kind of take themselves out of the situation and just imagine like, oh, they're just going to self-direct. They're just going to be in the world on their own with no one else to learn from. Right. Um, That's not. Yeah. Yeah. That's not how, how it happens. And I want to apologize with me giving a lot of examples from parenting. And, and that's just me speaking from no, my it's, experience. It's so great. I, if it's Yeah. But if it's not appropriate, then I don't want to. <laughs> No, no, it's, no, it's, it's totally the only fine. Place, yeah, I'm coming from. Because something I have to acknowledge is that even as an educator and like I have all of the the words in defense of SDE, like it's very different when you're an actually parenting, like right. and you have to like let go and undo your own stuff, but also trying to figure out like how to raise this young person. Like that is a struggle that I don't know. Yeah. I can only intellectually understand, so it's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um so I'm interested, you've kind of alluded to a little bit, and, and I know because I've been to visit, my niece goes to your school, and I'm so excited that she's there. And um, But I'd like for you to tell our listeners a little bit more about what self-directed education looks like at Hartward, at your school. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you could, describe a typical day for us. Yeah, typical day. The So we're from 9 to 3, uh, Monday through Friday. Typical day is the kids are arriving between 9 and 9.15, At 9.15, we have a standing group meeting where we look at our, basically our schedule, um, our board, and 
we make certain announcements and discuss certain things and then we go over like what's coming up throughout the day what classes and or offerings are happening and an offering is anything that somebody is saying hey i want to present or lead this activity i'm offering this and anybody's able to come anybody's willing to come sometimes we take commitments for it so that the person isn't wasting their own time preparing and sometimes we don't um then there's also something called see me's where it's just a hey if you're interested come see me we don't need to schedule it we don't need to reserve a room or reserve specific materials just just come talk to me whenever and we can get into it um it's more informal and then we break up into small groups so that we call them checkpoints so that they can write the stuff down mm-hmm. that they that they plan to do for the day and it's a part of that agile learning um framework where you set intentions um, and then you sort of execute, you reflect and review on those. So that part's the intention setting part. So they write their stuff down and we play like little games and activities just as a sense of building connection and community. And then we execute that schedule. Um, And there are things in the schedule that some people are going to, and some people are just doing whatever sort of emerges for them in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the things in the schedule don't happen. Sometimes they don't happen on time, or sometimes they get shifted or postponed. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes new big things end up happening that weren't even scheduled. Yeah. So it's again, it's it's flexible, and it 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 seems rigid, and people imagine like, oh yeah, my kid's going to be on the schedule that they created. But it's also like acknowledging that we're human beings and. Sometimes some things happen and sometimes you end up not wanting to lead the activity or, you know, some other thing went over. Some other thing doesn't require that much time Um, at two thirty is when we meet up again in the afternoons to do the reflection part. So people look at their books and say, this is what I did. Check, check. Didn't do that. We might talk about like, oh, why didn't it get done? Um, Mm. Just as a meaning of, as a, as a way to reflect. And then they write any additional things that they did that they didn't necessarily intend to do. Uh, Check in with like maybe some big long-term projects just to get them talking about and thinking about things that might, the intentions they might have that last longer than a day or a week. Mm-hmm. And then at two forty-five is short time, three o'clock time to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the sort of the daily what's happening at. We do have community meal time, which they can eat whenever they want to. It's just that at eleven thirty to twelve is when they can eat in the specific room, but otherwise they can eat like in the kitchen anytime or outside anytime. But it's funny because they do value the time to eat in community. It's, I mean, it's a human yes, thing, you know? Yes, that's so funny. That's so they will wait, you know, 45, 30 minutes, even when they're already hungry. Yeah. I was like, mm, I'll just wait, hold off until everybody's eating. Hmm. Uh, we have a few other meetings that are once a week. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday mornings, we have something called group game. That's just uh, me presenting some type of activity, team builder, challenge thing. And it's a matter of building community again, building a sort of community culture. Mm-hmm. So we all play t- a game together for anywhere between 15 and 30 minutes on Tuesday mornings. Mm-hmm. Wednesdays, we have change up meeting. And that's a meeting where we look at our community practices and it's our practices and our habits and and the health of the community is made visible via this board called a community mastery board. Mm-hmm. Uh 
and we look at that, we review how are we doing with this community practice, you know, because we have agreements, mm-hmm. not necessarily a lot of rules. We all agree at these meetings to say, let's practice doing this thing this way for a week. Mm-hmm. Next week, when we have this meeting again, we'll review it. Do we want to keep doing this? Is it working? Do we need to tweak it? If so, we keep it going. If not, we change it, modify it, or if it's not practical, get rid of it. So it's just a way to get everybody bought into the health of the community. Everybody's bought into holding each other accountable to what we all agreed to do for Mm -hmm. the sake of the school being a place that everybody can get along and everybody can feel like they can pursue their interest. Uh, What's... On Thursdays, we have something called community and culture meeting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are where we discuss emerging, sort of emerging issues in our community that need a bigger conversation. They're not something that can be discussed quickly. Okay. Um, We also take out the time in those to discuss social justice issues. Mm -hmm. So this past sort of six weeks, there was a, a series on Native American history but then there are also like these we've, we're trying out alternative things to like these like sort of sit down and meet classes. There are alternative ways that we're allowing them to get in like almost like credits. Mm. And so we've had we've done things about uh, Dia de los Muertos. We've talked about offensive Halloween costumes and like the history of Thanksgiving. They talked about the book um, and the movie The Hate You Give. Mm. Um, yeah. So in, and in the past, we've talked about. Uh, the hurricane and sort of the economic and political impact on Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Um, they even uh, did a collection box, collected canned goods and, and water and things to send to Puerto Rico. We've talked about where so our school has a sliding scale tuition and we did like this interactive activity to sort of illustrate like why we have that and what it means to be financially um, accessible and, and why a sliding scale um what else we talked about those are great issues environmental uh injustice and how racist housing policies so many different things um we've talked about we had debates on gun violence uh and we we take we tapered them a little bit make them age appropriate for whoever was a part of that conversation uh so yeah, we we take out time for for those things, and the reason beca- is because there are certain things. If you are of a privileged party in any group in any particular hierarchy, you have the ability to just kind of ignore and walk away from those kinds of conversations. Mm-hmm. And so we felt that if we allow them to, if we allow the opting in and opting out at that moment, we're really kind of just peddling the same like. Um, or feeding that oppressive system, so it's a way to to not be a part of that mm-hmm. uh, because it is because it's already sort of a, a passive sort of machine. You have to actively work against it. Right. Um, the last thing that we do, as far as our schedule on Fridays, is reflections, and that's from one thirty to two thirty on Fridays, where it's reflection time. Everybody takes their act, the things that they wrote down that they did from the week, mm-hmm. their reflections, and we document it digitally. Um, so they talk about not only what they did, but how they felt about what's been going on and the issues that they're having. And it's just a means of sitting down and really like, how was my week? How am I doing? And it builds up a record, um, 
that they can look back on at the end of a semester, at the end of the year to see how did you spend your year? You know, what did you yeah. do? How also, how did you grow? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another part of the agile learning framework um, is sort of the book into the intentions part. So intentions and reflection. Yeah. So you do that daily, but then also weekly, like you said that. For, yep. Yeah. Maybe for the yep, week. yep. I think that's incredible. And that's a skill that adults don't even have, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really? And I, in business, I mean, think of how many people we just go, 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 go. We don't sit and reflect or spend the time to set the intention and the, ref- I mean, I just think that's, mm-hmm. that's a huge practice to value and to instill in them and support them practicing and, and, you know, however that looks like when you're five, six, seven, you know, what are the ages in your school now you have? We're K through 12, but at the moment our youngest is five and our oldest is 14. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, but you could go all the way up. Yeah. Yep. Nice. And how is Heartwood different from other self-directed models? Are there many different models out there? Or? Yeah, I think there is. It's a funny kind of thing, the categorization or the titles, because some people seem S to E, but maybe don't like go by the title. Or some people take the title and don't really seem like they fit. Um, so what makes us different, I would say, in I'll I'll go ahead and speak for the entire Agile Learning Center network. Okay. Is the intentional community and culture building. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's there's culture keep there's the the sense of intentionally monitoring the culture and Within that's with the, the change school. up meetings, yeah. Okay. And and feeding that. So we monitor and and check our agreements weekly, but also we do things intentionally to build and create certain customs, tradition, traditions, and culture for the school. Yeah. Um, we're community-oriented, so it's always about, like, what's the health of our group? It's not just what I want, what I need, but also, like, what's good for everybody? What mm-hmm. did we agree to? Um, and so we've been working on a lot of them holding each other accountable and not always relying on the adult in the space to come and police every situation. Yeah. Because at these meetings, hey, we all agreed to do this, so I shouldn't have to come behind you, come behind someone else and say, hey, do this. It's actually, no, you said you're going to do this. This is the agreement right. that you made. Um, then there's the intention part. So the fact that they, they sit down and set their goals each day and that they reflect each day in a formal meeting, like these are, those things are essential parts of the school. Yeah. Um, it's sort of, what does it mean to go to heart with, well, these particular things? Uh, the last piece that I would add is the the bit of how we run meetings. It's a con- again consent based, mm-hmm. so it's always opting in and agreeing to try something out um, for whatever period of time or opting into certain experiences. And those things are borrowed from sort of Quaker meetings and sociocracy, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, lastly are. The specific tools that we use, we have boards and and practices that are borrowed from the agile software, agile management world. Okay. Um, yeah. Cool. So what about your work are you most passionate? I am in my own process of de-schooling, self-directing. And so I'm, I'm most passionate just about doing really interesting things like things i genuinely find interesting mm-hmm. and almost co-learning um co-experimenting with them mm-hmm. 
I still have sometimes have this default of switching into and like, okay, I have to like be a professional in this thing in order to instruct or teach them about something. And it's not necessarily the case is also like not really what I'm good at or how I want to relate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm super passionate about just pursuing whatever random projects like wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. I'm also really passionate and into assisting them in their project management. Like that's just something I'm really into. Um, and I, I like love a project. So getting them to sit down is like, let's break down the steps and let's, you know, see what we need and let's get the to do's and the materials and let's try it out. Let's iterate. Yeah. That is what I'm most into. Uh, just honoring like the authentic sort of interest that I come up with or interest that they have and that I also find really appealing and pursuing that um, with with fervor in yeah. the moment. Yeah, that's great. What are some of your aspirations or what were some of your aspirations when you opened Heartwood? Aspirations. So we're in our third year. Aspirations are to continue to grow and find out what the sort of theoretical limit to an AOC um, is as far as enrollment numbers right um what's the biggest one out there now i'm not sure of the exact numbers there's the aoc in manhattan new york then there's also the aoc mosaic in charlotte north carolina there's i mean they're all over actually um we're very well connected to those two as well as the schools in boone and Asheville. that's wildwood and um zigzag aoc and real life aoc in tampa florida and dat school in New Orleans. So <laughs> dat I'm, school? Really? I'm really just going to end up going through the entire list. Um, like I can't leave anyone out. <laughs> for, yeah, yeah. For, there's free to learn community out in California. Nice. Um, That's cool. There's another in Colorado, I think Cottonwood. Either way, I don't know who has the most students. I know that there's someone out there who has um, something like 30 full-time enrolled students, 30 to 35. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, but thinking of when you opened, what were your aspirations? Oh, man. Um, Create the, the school that you... Creating the school, you know, yeah. and existing was the aspiration and being and just running it. And right now, because we're in our third year and as a small school, as a nonprofit, the goal now is to like get past that, like, you know, worry those that worrisome period getting right. past the fifth year. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, we've we've made it past the time that most nonprofits tend to like fizzle out. So that's that's like the big dream there, but also aspiring to have like our own facility and not mm-hmm. have to rent and then potentially being able to make money off of the facility. Yeah. So finding some way for the school to become even more financially accessible and yeah. to remain affordable um, for different people is the is the big dream now and and not just for Hartwood but for SDE in general being another marker on the map and another example of this is an education paradigm and approach that works so really big goal is to to have SDE be available for like anybody who wants it yeah and it not be a, a cost issue um that's the that's the true big aspiration, and they're just like so many small steps to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, if Hartwood can, we can get a spy, and we can find some way to raise money and to invest that money, or endowment, or 
fundraise in a way hmm. that causes us to be uh, financially stable and sustainable. Yeah. Uh, and so we never have to turn people away or say anything about um, tuition offers because we are a private school. We are tuition uh, based in the sliding scale tuition helps out a great deal, but it's still, you know, yeah. ideally anybody would be able to do it. Um, so that's the goal. Do you ever see it going to, you know, because I think of that competing with public school education. Do you ever see are people working towards it being that accessible? Like where people have, you know, if, if someone really has a financial consideration, they're saying, oh, I either don't have to pay at all to get my child into school or you know, I have to pay to get into this great program. I, I mean, that seems like a huge hurdle, but is, is that it is a in the huge works, hurdle? And there's so many different opinions about it. Um, there are huge political shifts that would need to happen in order for it to be a public school option, right. a widespread public school option. Now, we I do have yeah. a good friend, a colleague of mine, uh, his name is Sunjata and another friend, Atiba Nichols. They are running an AOC called Grow. Mm. Um, and it's actually, they're, they're here in the Atlanta area, I think specifically College Park. Um, and they're working on and executing a tuition-free model. Wow. Um, and I will leave the details and such in their pitch to them because it's their their project and I don't want to misspeak about anything but they're very passionate about making it a tuition free model and so are thus championing that and doing all that it takes to make that happen there are I've heard news of and listened to this podcast of a school I think it's called The Unschool okay. it's in California I want to say it's in the San Jose area or approximate to there but mm-hmm. They are, to my knowledge, a public school, a publicly funded school, so it's no cost to students um, tuition-wise. So those are two people that I know in the United States out there, two communities that are executing some iteration of SDE yeah. um, and it not costing. What that looks like widespread, if you if you scale it, I don't know. And it's hard to imagine just because you know we still have schools that are very much heavily relying on common core and we know that there are political financial motivations behind that. And so you, you're really almost debating and fighting with those things. Mm -hmm. Um, So while in my head, I can imagine it, but when I'm thinking practically and realistically, it's so much to do. Um, There's also an organization called the Alliance for self-directed education Mm -hmm. and they are hoping to, they're aiming to corral and organize you know, a lot of SDE spaces in a sense of building a movement and ultimately that leading to showing that this is a viable option. Mm-hmm. And so they're, you're trying to, they're trying to connect and support people in communities who are doing this uh, so that it becomes a bigger thing. And they're spreading almost sort of the body in the vehicle for spreading the word yeah. for SDE. Yeah. Just one thing you said about your meetings and the community, you know, with the Hartwood and the, the Agile Learning Center model how you're really actively striving to be what's best for the children and what's best for everyone there. So I can see that's a moving target as you get new people and some people, you know, travel with their family and take a year off or whatever. And, you know, so um, that I just think is so powerful compared to other models where it's, this is what you learn in this grade and this is what you learn here. And, you know, if you can't keep up, then 
everyone's stressed out to high heaven and it, you know and you're trying to fit a round peg into a, a square hole kind of thing and um and i do have a question back to when you're saying how you set your your days and the schedule but then sometimes it changes like do the kids have difficulty with that? Do you find that they are better when there is a more rigid schedule or do you find that the kids in your school are more spontaneous or flexible? I mean, is there any resistance to that one? It comes and goes. It's different with each child okay. uh, because there are some who are like right there tapping on your shoulder. Hey, this is supposed to start a minute <laughs> yeah. ago. Um, <laughs> what are we doing? Are we going to do it? And you're kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm 45 seconds behind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, and he's giving me to it, or she. Yeah. Or you have some who can totally go with the flow and who are helping you adjust and like helping you think. Sometimes they suggest, maybe we should start this later. Maybe we should just push this to another day because we're late or something like that. So it depends. They're each different and have their different needs. And it's based also whatever the activity offering is, their interest level. So Yeah, that's a good point too. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the big issues that you see school age kids dealing with nowadays? I don't know if it's so, it seems like it's the same things that just come with certain ages. Like you're always going to learning how to exist with other humans is like a lifetime lesson that we're all struggling with at different ages and different, um, settings. So in that, that comes in, you know, how to express your needs or how to share when you're hurt or how to mm -hmm. listen when someone else is hurt, how to take care of other people, um, how to intervene on someone else's behalf, uh, how to help settle conflicts, whether it's your own or someone else's. Those are things. Um, but those are common, you know, those those come in, those come for everybody. Um, I will say, I think and it's not just the kids i'll say as a as on the level of humanity there's screens you know everybody at the moment talking about how technology is evolving and mm. smartphones and everything's on the internet and i think now that we like my all my students are digital natives like they don't know a world before everybody having quick access to information in the internet and i think that presents a disconnect between them and older generations um and then also uh, a disconnect between those with and those without access to that type of stuff yeah so there's a misunderstanding or like a doubt of certain abilities there there's a confusion about what the future holds mm -hmm. you know there's some people who say well this is the way i grew up this is what you need as an adult these are important skills but then the future who knows what the sh right. future looks like and who knows what skills will be uh, necessary or which ones will be obsolete who knows what jobs will have been created and which ones will have been taken over by the androids um mm -hmm. so <laughs> all the robots <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh i think that's a uh, the big thing and i don't know that it's something they struggle with i don't think it's the screens themselves that the young people struggle with i think you know again the future is theirs they'll determine what like almost what's necessary I think really the struggle will be between them and like older people who may not understand or it's hard to adjust. I mean, I myself mm -hmm. not, I mean, I'm not so old, but still like I remember I experienced a portion of my life and distinctly remember like not having a computer right. or not having internet or quick internet or certain websites and certain ways of existing online, not existing. I remember blockbusters. Um, yes. 
So <laughs> there's there's just that difference, and that's just the world that they don't know, mm-hmm. um, and they can only imagine, and it will seem foreign and impossible to them. And so I imagine there are certain skill sets and certain abilities that I have that I learned that seem important, mm-hmm. and they might not be important for them, you know, like. Mm-hmm. We debate now about the importance of like spelling skills when almost anything you're typing, everything is typing. Like how often are you actually writing on paper? Penmanship. And yeah. that being like you're the final place of it. You know, almost everything ends up being digitized. So does your handwriting, do you really need to focus on perfect handwriting? Do you even need to focus on like spelling things perfectly right. <laughs> if the computer's always correcting you automatically? Um that just might not be a necessary skill in the mm-hmm. future. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that disconnect is the challenge that young people will face. And young people of every generation end up facing some kind of disconnect between older generations. But I think that's that's from my seat. That's yeah. what I look at and see. This is a this is a thing. This is a huge this is a huge deal. You know, the, I ask my students sometimes. Like what they want to be when they grow up or like a celebrity that they would like want to spend time with for a day. And they like one of them mentioned like be a YouTuber. I mean, like I I spend so much time on YouTube and just never even considered as like, oh, this lucky person like worked their butt off and and, like are making a living off of YouTube. But I never consider them as like, oh, this is a celebrity. Yeah. Oh, this is like a career goal. Like this is the equivalent of like wanting to be on TV. Yeah. Or they mention these people who are super famous in their realm and like I've never heard of right. them. So it's so funny to me. Oh, um, gosh. How yeah, that whole evolving. YouTube thing is, I mean, I'm not, yeah, I don't, I'm not on YouTube that much. A little bit, but. It's not that long ago that I learned about that term, YouTuber. I'm like, yeah. Really? Tuber sounds like a potato to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, you have people who are making a living putting videos on YouTube, whether it's just them recording their life or them recording themselves talking about movies and yeah. video games. There are people who make a living recording themselves playing video games like you can make a living playing a video game now insane to me i've heard too like with kids like opening boxes they have like a box that's a surprise and you watch them open a box like oh my god it's It's like mind-numbing to me but i guess you know the element of surprise i don't know um so can you tell us what it's like for children and families to move from a traditional school to heartwood and i think you mentioned even yourself for going through a de-schooling yep. part- yeah so it's such a common experience and some of it is so like tradi- uh predictable that it has a name it's called de-schooling and it is a never-ending process because what it is is unlearning the things that you've learned and assumed about how education works, how child development works. Um, so that's that's an ongoing journey. You've never like arrived and you've never like finished e-schooling. You're always doing it. It's so embedded in our culture. Yeah. I mean, it's like you don't even... In whether... I mean, there's you, but then there's also dealing with family members and, right. and friends and people on the street. Like you have to... It affects so deeply other realms of life. Um so yeah, there's probably going to be, there will be a de-schooling process and that's for the young person who's attending the school as well as the family um, and not just the immediate family sometimes, you know, extended family yeah. also is brought into that process because you have the young person who's learning 
it looks specifically for Hartwood that no, the adult isn't going to come around and make you do every little thing. It's a question of, well, you on this is your agreement. Are you going to honor it or not? Mm-hmm. And certain agreements, you know, are ever changing, but then there are others that are just a part of being at Hartwood. So if you want to be here, you're going to honor those. Um, and if you can't or don't want to honor those, then it's a question of, do you want to be here? Is right. this the best place for you? Um, so there's what we see is there's always like an expanding and seeing, whoa, I really can like push up against the boundaries and mm-hmm. there people aren't going to be standing at the, the boundary of what's OK and policing me and telling me to turn back around. And so there's expanding in that. There's mm-hmm. always pushing boundaries and in testing out and learning what it means to be held accountable right. truly uh, without always relying on disciplinary action and, and punishment. Then there's the realizing, wait, I can spend time however I want to. Like, I can play tag as long as I want. I can build these blocks. I can draw or I can read this book all day and not do any other thing or subject. Or, so they really expand and really test out the limits of what's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can take, you know, how long it takes, you know. Uh, there's no hard number or equation to determine how long it takes for them, for the young people to finish that process and then to sort of come back in and start focusing on, well, here's what I'm interested in. And I want to pursue this stuff or, you know what, I see what it means to be a part of a community and what it means to uphold these agreements. And I'm going to actually go the extra step and make sure I'm taking care of the culture and not just like, oh, I'm going to honor it, but I'm going to be actively curating it it takes a while for for them to get into that phase Mm. and it's hard to say when it will happen do you Um, see it take maybe it takes longer the older child that transfers in or for sure yeah Uh, for an older student who's been in a traditional more traditional or conventional setting for a while it's going to take a bit longer for them because it's so ingrained uh for a younger person maybe not so much so uh and then because as adults in the space, we relate to the young people in a certain way as, as just like the more knowledgeable or skilled or capable people, not necessarily the um, th- throwing down the gavel and authoritarian. So they are starting to relate to adults differently. Um, and so there's a lot of that unlearning and relearning happening all at the same time and revelations that are happening. But that then also affects like how they relate at home, you know? Yeah. And when they start to develop their own voice and are learning to express how they feel and acknowledge certain practices and be more intentional and practice the reflexive skills, we've experienced that they start to relate to siblings differently. They start to relate to parents differently, which causes then parent because parents are also going through their own process as their kids are going through this this new way of schooling. The parents have to unlearn their ways of what they're expecting or what they're hoping it would look like. And then they start to relate to the young person differently. Yeah. Then the parents, you know, or guardians have to sort of like defend like their educational choices to other adults in their lives. And the young person has to do it to other young people or other, or the adults in their lives. So it starts out in the school setting, but it's definitely ripples out pretty strongly to not just at school, but it affects the home relationship, the extended family, the neighbors. Um, so yeah, de-schooling is a is a thorough process that everybody's going to go through at different levels. Um, 
and continue to go through yeah. uh even me sitting here talking about it so much and it's it would seem like i've arrived but i, I mean my staff and i we have weekly meetings and we check in was like you know what was your de-schooling moment for yeah. the week if there was one or for the month um yeah and that's good at being open about it too and just saying that did it happen it's like what was yours this week you know yeah. like you know just hey what did you come across so i have another question just about the nitty-gritty kind of details and this is just my mind going to okay but how can this work how can so you know, say someone starts when they're five, they go through, they go through. At the end, now they're a senior in high school. Do they have to take a, the GRE? Do they, how do they, I mean, how does that happen? How do they so graduate? Each, and- each state has different laws around like what even a private school or homeschooling situation can look like or what it is. Um, in Georgia, we, Hartwood, as our learning center, is able to register as an exempt program. Mm-hmm. And we're not required, nor do we want accreditation specifically. Because you'd have to take all those tests. Yeah. Yeah, no. So there's no particular academic thing or curriculum we have to expose them to at any specific time. There's no test we have to give. As a actual school, we are capable of graduating them. Like we can determine for ourselves what the requirements for graduation are and graduate them. Nice. Uh so yeah, that's that's that. We can we can give out a graduate uh, a high school diploma for the future. Like beyond that, you know, there's careers, there's trade school, there's college, which is the biggie that everybody is always asking about. And colleges, um, a, a lot of people tend not to know, but colleges are their admissions requirements are much more open and flexible and fluid. Um, that most people know, but also as time goes forward and more of these schools exist, you know, a lot of schools are starting to, some schools aren't requiring SATs anymore or ACTs anymore. Some of them are saying it's only optional. Uh, some of them accept portfolios and some of them do still require SATs or ACTs. And a young person that is motivated, again, they're self-directing if they want to attend college. They'll they're, do the steps necessary. Yeah. And there are adults there who are checking in and asking them, them in their relationships. So if one of our high schoolers wants to go to college, you know, we've talked about it. We know this already because we're in relationships. They're not existing in a bubble. And so we're there helping them and in filling out the application or researching scholarships or uh, writing them a letter of recommendation. And we're looking at the websites with them yeah. uh, because it's a partnership. We're there to aid them, not just let them fend for themselves. And we want our young people to go on from yeah. the school and be successful and be happy. You know, it's not just about, well, we have you now, whatever you do when you get yeah. away from here. It's like, no, we're invested in your entire life, you know? Right, right. So, yeah, yeah I mean, SATs and ACTs, GREs and, and so forth. If they're motivated for that, then we're there to support them and help them to do that. And if if life is taking them, if their desires are taking them somewhere else, then we're also there to help and support them in in those directions as well. Yeah, that's great. And I think again, the more that the the students are allowed to make that decision and you know going in, I like you made the comment of oh, people go to college and they don't go to class. I mean, we all knew people that showed up, and when they had all that freedom. They were either eating super unhealthily or they were, you know, yeah. I mean, they were just rebelling against anything that they had been, you know, conditioned and, and made to do. So I feel like if, I don't know, I just think it's a, a good recipe for 
them being maybe a step closer to actually attaining what would make them happy or what their life's purpose is. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like we we go and we don't do these intentions and, and reflections. We don't think about these things. And then you're just kind of like, okay, I'll go to college. And that's like a space holder, you know, for time. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know. There's a guy who's been in the self-directed education space for far longer than I have. And he specifically works with teens and he's much more experienced with like what they do and how they do after sort of the high school age and yeah. how to how they get there. His name's Blake Bowles. I mean, his whole everything is focused on that age range. And he's so well spoken on that experience. I mean, again, these schools, schools like mine in this approach to school, I mean, homeschooling as well has been existing for some time. Right. You know, it's not it's not new. There are pathways. These these young people do start careers and become entrepreneurs or go on to get bachelor's, master's, PhDs. They go and start companies and and go to trade school and, you know, the full gambit of Mm -hmm. things. So it's not just, it's not like, oh, these SD kids, they only end up becoming these very niche, like, kind of careers. Like, no, they can become whatever they want to. It's just on the way there, they were allowed to explore a lot of different things freely. There was no set trajectory or path. And they were happy, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could have an SD kid become, you know, a college professor. <laughs> right. And it's like, it'll be a super strict, rigid sort of learning environment, but that's what they want it for themselves. You know, it's right. it's still possible. And it's good to hear that you, you say that, that it's not just, okay, one particular child. Like, if your child is very artistic, boom, mm-hmm. that they would succeed there. It's like, no, you can you know, have two type A parents or, you yes, know, like, yes. yeah, just in, in very, you know, like the rigid or like the, the, the schedule, you know, and still have a child that could do well there. And yep. I mean, and we have young people at Hartwood who some pretty much spend all their time outside running, yeah. you know, all day. And that's what they need. That's what you their know? body needs. Exactly. And there are some who love structure and schedules. There are some who love, who would have thought they love worksheets and workbooks yes. and flashcards. Like it's their total thing. So again, it's, I, I think we, we have the capability of being more in different things to different kids. Yeah. Uh, and thus allowing different kind of kids to be able to come and succeed here, not just a specific type. Um, right, right. That's awesome. Are there ways to support Hartwood or engage with the school, even if you don't have a child in the program? Yes. So we love, 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 love for guests and community members to come in to make offerings. Okay. Um, that is the number one way to come and participate. And... We found even with our own immediate parent community that there's hesitation about what should I bring as an offering and how do I do it or how many kids will they be interested in? We'll say one, there's like the sense of novelty. Just having some new adult in the space immediately (laughs) is like a a, A new toy. (laughs) Yeah, new toy. Yeah. And then coming in and being genuinely interested in whatever that thing is Mm -hmm. and not pitching it as like, a am going to expose them to this. So like not having that agenda. Yeah. Um, I mean, you just can. coming in from a place of passion, but coming in not from a like... place of passion and, and, and genuineness. Because if you have an agenda, they can they pick up on it so well, and it becomes like, uh, okay, you're trying to like push some some lesson on me, yeah. And like the lesson can be there, but also really have fun with it, you know. Right. Um, so we've had parents who've come in who've done cooking offerings. We've had parents who've come in and done um, 
yoga and Pilates and henna. Uh, we've had some come in and do patois and Spanish. We've come. We've had parents come in and do woodworking. Nice. Uh, we've had parents come in and do soccer. We've had parents come in and do math. We've had a, actually a teenager come in and do reading and math. So, yeah, just, I mean, the full range of different kinds of activities. And as long as that person is genuinely interested in it and is like there, mm -hmm. then that's, that's, you've, yeah, you're going to get somebody. And then also, we're a micro school. So it's not like a lot of kids to get, anyways. But honestly, if you can get two kids, like that's, that should always be anybody's goal. <laughs> like, two if you can get two kids. kids there and they're sitting down with you for 30, 45 minutes, and like really dedicated and paying attention, like you've just made a successful offering. Like yeah. you can't really ask for more. Anything it's, beyond that is like, come back again yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. And then um, do you guys still have the van? Are you working towards that or? We are the... still working on a van um, so that we can go on more field trips mm -hmm. and at the drop of a, sort of at the drop of a dime, Right now, we have to do a lot of work to coordinate parent chaperones and carpool situations, or we have to limit how many people can go based on like how many staff is there and how many they can fit in a car. Um, so we are still working to fundraise for a van. We also have um, is a that on your website? How people can give to the van? Yes, okay, yes. Okay, there's specifically on our website. There's a portion for uh, donating to the van. There's also donating to. To support our sliding scale tuition yep. program because we do need support there to make it accessible as well. Right now for the winter season, we have soap that the kids have been making. Yeah. Um, and that was a wonderful fundraiser last year. We're hoping to do a lot better this year. This year we're, we're making it from scratch. Cool. Um, all sort of natural ingredients and, you know, going through the – I mean – I'm genuinely interested in making soap and like there's been like science and learning from there about yeah. like the process and, you know, introducing them to terms like exothermic, you know, mm. and explaining that's a bit of chemistry for them. And there are certain kids who are interested in making soap and then other ones who aren't. Mm -hmm. But just by exposure of like, well, why do they all have masks and gloves on? And why do they need to close the door and vent it this other way, you know? Or what's the issue? You know, that curiosity there, they're thus exposed to some portion of like, well, what's sodium hydroxide and what happens when you mix it with water and, yeah. you know, all these things. And so, yeah, soap fundraisers happening right now. You can also buy those on our website. Uh, you can buy them just with the ball or you can buy them gift wrapped. Uh, they smell amazing. The school smells so great right now. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. We just made two more batches today, actually. And it's yeah. just... That's cool. It's great. Well, and even when I've been to, you know, places where you guys have sold the soap, it's nice to see the kids, young people, however we, you know, the, the students there selling them and, and, you know, just that whole process yeah. is cool too. That's the goal. It's like, hey, this is your stuff, you guys. Right. You know, come sell. This is, <laughs> this is your fundraise, really. Right. Um, That's exciting. And what resources have you found or would you recommend to someone learning looking to learn more about self-directed education. And I have been taking copious notes here mm -hmm. <laughs> from everything. So I will put as much of this in the uh, show notes as I can. But if there, are there any other resources that come to mind? Uh, 
So I've I've definitely done the work to try to make sure. I mean, there's so much to read. It's so much to dive into to try to make a comprehensive list of things just to get you started Mm -hmm. on our resources page on on our website. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there are specific books and people that come up all the time that you're undoubtedly going to be introduced to, uh, such as Akilah Richards, Mm -hmm. uh, such as Peter Gray, Blake Bowles. there's democratic free schools and the as our learning center network there's sudbury schools mm-hmm. there's the organization um alliance for self-directed education there's arrow which is i'm not sure what that stands for actually a-r-r-o-w a-e-r-o a-e-r-o okay arrow yep got um it. alternative education something something um <laughs> Resource something, yeah. Yeah. Um, So those are, I mean, that's just, uh, the things I just mentioned are enough to like get anybody going. And there's so many more articles and things to read and videos to watch. There's the Ken Robbins, uh, Robinson TED Talk. Okay. Um, Sir Ken Robinson about creativity. There's the TED Talk with this, this young guy and he's talking about how he's hacking his school um, mm. process. So cool. Yeah. What inspires you? So much. Um, <laughs> within the context of like the school setting and being at school, um, just like when any of us are sitting around, we're, a natural sort of conversation or magical moment has come up, and we're all really into it. We're all really having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, a game has sprung about, and we're all co-creating in that very moment. Mm. Or just like sort of a role play kind of activity is happening and and everything's just working so well and no one knows or is planning what we're doing. It's just happening. Mm. Um, Or like when we're all like really into researching something or learning about something and like the energy is there and you have kids who normally are outside running all day who are like in a room sitting and like thoroughly engaged and it's just this is. This is it. This yeah. is the magic moment, you know, yeah. um, inspired by that. Uh, and just any any time they're just authentically and deeply interested in whatever the activity is, that's that's where the magic is. And that's sort of those are the moments that we're always like, let's try to recreate this or let's let's try to pursue this or like let's try to make sure that the environment is suitable for this to happen again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's so commendable because i think that probably takes a lot of effort and hard work to read the kids and you know not just follow a strict lesson plan and not not just do the same thing year in year out and and try to really i mean it seems like it would take me out of my comfort zone so i i just respect you so much for doing that and honoring the the children that you work with and and blazing the way with this whole sde movement is incredible is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Any other parting thoughts? Uh, I would say that in hearing this, SDE might not be practical or suitable for you, your family, but it might be suitable. It might be the answer that someone in your life is looking for. Um, so definitely share that. Because we hear so we get stories all the time or testimonies of people who have been in a particular learning situation and they just didn't know what to do or their kid is really struggling this way or it's a hard time or it doesn't fit. 
and they just wish there was a solution and then they discover us and it's just like the most amazing thing ever and i'm so glad when they are able to discover us or schools like us and they finally found something that fits their 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 young person and their family and that they can be happy with but it also makes me kind of sad that they you know went through that suffering period of like not knowing what to do and feeling super desperate and just that the whole family was suffering because of it those those moments are unfortunate so you know sharing with people is like the best thing and just i think the question always for individuals is you know is this even though this is the way i did schooling or learning is this the only way is it the best way like are there other ways to do it and i think that question alone can really get anybody down the path of realizing what's possible for them and the people around them and again it might not be for them like that young person might be fine where they are that family might need to stay where they are but it could easily be it could like make such a difference in some someone else's life so yeah yeah i agree where can listeners go to find out more information about Heartwood ALC and what is the best way to contact you? And you have a blog as well. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, so to find out more about Heartwood, you would go to heartwoodalc.org. Um, and to contact me, you would go, you could email us at info at heartwoodalc.org. Mm-hmm. Uh and then what's your blog? My blog is superandhuman.me. Super, then the word and, A-N-D. Yep. And human. Super, A-N-D, human dot M-E. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. No and problem. Your Thanks wisdom. And yeah, I just, this was super fun. And I I agree. I mean, I I don't think SDE is for everyone, but it's just nice to know. And, and my hope with this podcast was just sharing the the message and, and sharing what you do. I, I think it's it's so exciting. And if people can know that there's an option for them, if they are not happy with wherever their current schooling situation is, that they have you as an option yes. you know, here in Atlanta. And it sounds like there are a ton around. Yeah. So that's exciting. There's too. actually a conference going on now. Um I wish I could remember specifically where it's at. I don't want to mess up and be offensive. Yeah. <laughs> it's somewhere in Latin America, but mm-hmm. um there's like a inter uh, multi-country like conference going on now wow. for the AOC network there. Wow. Um yeah. Oh, that's great. So very exciting. It's an international movement. Yeah. That's that's super exciting. Just to, it, yeah, I I'm excited about the whole thing, but like you said, it it may not be for everyone and public school is good and yes. can be um so it's just an option. So Thank you for enlightening us. No problem. I had so much fun talking with Anthony and learning from him. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you are so inclined, I ask that you help support Heartwood's campaign to buy a school van. Being out in the community exponentially fuels student learning. The young people love it and they want to get out more. Having a van would help relieve parent overload, free staff from the effort of coordinating drivers, and frankly, more than double their field trip capacity. Please consider checking out their campaign at heartwoodalc.org. That is H-E-A-R-T-W-O-O-D-A-L-C.org. And from the menu, select Donate. 
As always, if you feel that someone you care about would benefit from this information, please share this episode with them. I really appreciate you listening and I wish you well. Until next time, take care.